0: Thanks, Jake, and the team. I uh, invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we're just going to be looking in, in this passage here, uh, second part in our this two-part uh, sermon on serving. And obviously today is not only a start of summer, but it's also Father's Day. And um, I know uh, when we celebrated Mother's Day, it was snowing. Um, Think about that. And on Father's Day, it's a beautiful day. I don't know why we don't rotate those maybe in Ohio so we get Mother's Day on a good day. But uh, hey, if you're sitting next to a dad, uh, someone that's a father figure to you, um, let's just show appreciation to him. Give him an elbow or a round of applause, one of the two. But uh, let's show appreciation. Happy Father's Day. Nothing says I love you like a sharp jab uh, to, to your dad. So, um, yeah, we're in this uh, series, or series, two weeks, uh, second week here on serving, sacrificial servant, um, sacrificial service, however you want to say it. And uh, last week, it, um, as we were talking uh, about this idea of servanthood, I, I'd invite you to listen to that or check that out, jump back into that because it kind of sets the context for today. Um, But I want to tell you a story. There was a Mike Iaconelli. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. uh, He wrote a book called Messy Spirituality And uh, you may have heard of the Babylon Bee I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, New York Times just got in trouble because They were quoting the Babylon Bee thought it was actually real news and it's a satire site uh, Christian satire I did that at this church I quoted Babylon Bee thinking it was real news and then somebody's like did you know that was actually satire like Irony, it's not true. And I'm like, oh. So, anyway, Mike Iaconelli, part of the founding of that funny guy, loves Jesus, but he wrote a book called Messy Spirituality. He tells the story of a guy named Daryl. Daryl was, as he describes, a guy in his 40s, bald and chubby. And he calls him a, a youth volunteer, actually, a reluctant youth volunteer, who somehow got roped into also going uh, as a ministry of the church to an assisted living place, and, and he's so out of his comfort zone, and he just finds himself on the back wall, nobody behind him, just trying to like, you know, I am the wall, meld into the background. And they wheel in this guy in a wheelchair chair who's elderly, really sick, has that kind of that blank stare, the, you know the slack jaw, just this guy was in a really bad place towards the, towards the end of his life, and not talking and, or anything, and he, they put him right next to Daryl, and about halfway through the service, you know Daryl's just standing there with his, his back against the wall. The guy actually reaches out and grabs Daryl 's hand, and Daryl 's like, "Oh." What? doesn't know what to do, but he knows he shouldn't let go. So he sits there, or stands there, holding this guy's hand for the service. And the, the service is over, and something happens in Daryl, and he doesn't want to, hey, this guy's not going anywhere, and the room's emptying out, it's almost empty, it's time to go, and, and Daryl still doesn't feel like he should let go of his hand because and he doesn't want to let him go because Daryl's story is one of so many people letting him go. And so he finally gets to this point where he's got to go. And he leans over to this elderly man and he says, I- I'm so sorry. I have to leave, but I'll be back. I promise. And, and Daryl, in that moment, found him saying something that shocked him, surprised him. He, he says to this elderly man, and he's just this guy that's so out of his element, and he just says to him, I love you. He's all choked up as he's walking away. Daryl came back the next month. They did it once a month. He came back the next month, stood in his place, and sure enough, this guy shows up again, right next to him. The guy holds his hand through the whole time. Daryl ends up finding out this is Oliver. Oliver's right towards the end of his life. He's really sick. He's not doing well. And he comes again the third month. Same thing. They don't talk. He just holds Oliver's hand through the whole service. Fourth month. Fifth month. Sixth month. Daryl's at the back of the wall waiting for Oliver to come. Oliver doesn't come. So Daryl goes hunting for Oliver. And he finds Oliver in his room, uh, really on, just on the, you know, the doorway to death, and, and really, really sick. And so he didn't go to service. He just sat in their room with, with Oliver holding his hand. And it's towards the end, he's got to go, and it's the last time, and they made it pretty clear that Oliver wasn't going to live much longer, and he just said to Oliver, choked up, I'm so sorry, I have to go, but I love you. And as he's about to let go of his hand, Oliver just squeezes his hand, and the floodgates open, and... Daryl's just a wreck as he's walking out of the room. But as he walks out of the room, he runs into Oliver's granddaughter. And he's never met her. And she went on to say that she'd actually been able to talk to Oliver, her grandfather. And, and Oliver had said, hey, can you, tell, can you tell goodbye to Jesus for me? And she's like, Grandpa, you're, you're about to see Jesus. Why don't you just say hello to Jesus? And, and Oliver, struggling to even talk, kind of opens her eyes, looks at her, and he says, I, I know that, but Jesus comes to see me every month, and he might not know I've gone. And she looked at Daryl, and she said, I never thought Jesus was a chubby bald guy, (laughs) but I imagine Jesus is really glad to have been mistaken for you. Sacrificial servant. That, that's uh, what he calls us to do. And he tells us to go and to, to serve, to love people. And in the middle of these moments, something happens that's so ordinary as leaning against the back wall of a place. Out of place, awkward, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, God is in the middle of this, and how did this happen, that he's using me. Paul writes about this idea of serving. He calls himself a servant, and then he says something as he's writing a letter to the the church in Corinth, and he introduces this idea that Every person who follows Christ is a servant, and every servant is given gifts to build up the church body. As you read the New Testament, you can't escape this idea that there is a certain context that God has for us to serve in, that everyone who follows Christ is expected to serve in. It's just what happened. He places this group of people together in a local gathering like freshwater, and and he Builds this together. And, and, and it's impossible to ignore the fact that when he talks about, hey, when I call you a servant, I am expecting you to serve my body, my family. And as we talk about COVID lifting and what gets back in, because we don't want to go back to the way it was. We, have the, we had that permission to stop everything. And now we're thinking about, well, what do I want to add back in and what don't I want to back, add back in? And, and the, re- the question we're wrestling with is, what must I add back into my life? And I think this idea of servanthood and, and where he calls us to serve has to be up there on the top of the list. And so in 1 Corinthians 12 Paul writes about how God gives gifts, and he says in verse 4, There's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all and everyone. To each, meaning each is someone who follows Jesus, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions or gives these out to each one individually as he wills. Paul wrote in, in Romans more gifts. He talks about this, this idea of the gift of prophecy, the give, uh, gift of faith, of service, of teaching, of exhortation, of generosity, of leadership, of mercy. There's a number of gifts that the Spirit gives us to build up the body. The purpose is the same. It says, for the common good, some translations say, for the building up of the body. So the body is healthier and the body is growing. The gifts, it's interesting, are from the Holy Spirit. The gifts are empowered by the Spirit. And the gifts are given to build up the church. Do you know what your spiritual gift is or spiritual gifts are? Do you understand the power of the Holy Spirit in us to use these gifts? Do you know how to tap into that power? Are you serving with your gift? And there's instances where God just gives a gift. It's not like we own it for the rest of our life. He gives us a gift for that moment, for that time, and to get whatever he wants done, done. So there is a sense of we don't just own gifts. He sometimes just lands on us and says, I'm giving this to you because I got something I want to do. In the fall, we're going to be offering a class on spiritual gifts. It's not a class like 10 weeks or something. It's like a seminar, a short seminar. It's not rocket science. It's pretty easy to to break down and to understand. So if you don't understand that, and that's kind of foreign to you, like I kind of heard of that, but I don't get it, just pay attention. Uh, Here in August, we'll be talking about uh, when that class will be offered. But Paul, he goes on, he starts to talk about the human body as a metaphor for the church and the church body. He says in verse 12, for just as, one, for just as the body, like you're my body, right, has many members, fingers, hands, ear, you know, whatever, ears and head, right, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So everything that comprises you, all these parts, is still one body. And he says, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So he's saying, hey, look, the, the comparison is we got a body that's so complex in all these parts. The church family is also a body made up of people. Each of us is a part. So he talks about the diversity of Jews, Greeks, male, female, the diversity, it's not uniformity, because we're all different, we're all weird, we're all have different ideas and different backgrounds, And, and Christ doesn't come in and say no, none of that matters. He says, No, all of that is important. That's who you are, but you're coming in and you're coming in and we're all made one. How? Well, we all got in the same way. We needed a savior level playing ground. Look around you. Ain't no one here that didn't humble themselves at the cross and say, I need to be saved. And I need Jesus. We're all united in that moment when the Holy Spirit came into us and baptized us, immersed us, and brought us in to the family of God. And so he goes on to say, The church family, the church body is made up of people. The people are the parts, and these parts are put together. He goes on, and he starts to talk about how this body interacts, and it wasn't doing well. The body in the church in Corinth was sick wasn't functioning well. And he says this in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God's arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, yet one body. So so what was going on back then, which is so interesting, and it still happens today, is this. There's this whole whole thing that happens in us. Some people struggle with this more. Some people struggle with it in a different way. But there were people in the church family there that, didn't feel like they added much to the body. They didn't feel worthy. They struggled feeling like they they really had any significance, that the body of Christ really needed them. Like they could just leave and the body would be fine. And Paul says, the church body, it's a big body made up of small parts. And when you lose one part, a small part, it hurts the body. So every part has huge value, inestimable value to the body as a whole. Have you ever found yourself going, I could just walk away and they wouldn't know any different? Have you heard somebody say that? Have you ever tragically heard a leader say, ah, we can lose them, we'll be fine? God comes and he gives us gifts, he gives us power and it hurts the church body when people start thinking they don't matter or they're not important to the body. Every gift is different, and so there's people like, well, I, I want that gift. Well, you have a whole different thing of envy, right? I wish I had that gift, or I wish I had that gift. Why I have this gift, and why do I have this place? I want that. And, and, and Paul's like, look, er, if everyone had the same gift, the body would be sick that way. Who would smell if we were all hands? Who would hear if we are all eyes? It, it can kill the church body. It can make the church body Sick. Every gift matters and is significant. And there was another issue or sickness that was happening within the family of the church body. In verse 21, he says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor can the head to the feet say, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member honor is honored, all rejoice together. So the, the other sickness is pride. This idea that there were Christians thinking that their gift was better. And actually, really, they were thinking they were the gift to the church. That's just hard to be around. When somebody comes in and thinks, oh, you guys are so lucky I'm here. I am the gift this church has needed. And there's a disdain for other gifts there's a, a sense of just pro, just giving off this vibe and, and even communicating in a way where people feel less than around this person. And Paul's like, that destroys the church family. It just it makes the church body sick. And then he starts to talk about how to fight against that and what kind of culture do you create so that doesn't happen. And he starts to talk about, look, if you didn't have this part, where would the body be? And if you didn't have that part, where would the body be? And it's one of these things like, what did you do this morning physically? What part of your body did you pay attention to the most? Most of us looked at our face, right? Our hair, right? We spent a lot of time taking care of the hair and the face. Hopefully we brushed our teeth so our smile looks good, right? clean teeth, right, nothing hanging in there, right, no sweaters. I hate that word. It's such a nasty word, right? But we spend all this time paying attention to that. How many of us really gave some real attention to our gallbladder this morning? Our spleen? How many of us thought about our toe, big toe? How about your foot? Did you really put a lot of care and concern on your feet? You probably put socks over them. My wife, uh, Joe, stepped on a spike this past week. You know when you stub your toe or you hurt your foot, all of a sudden it becomes the most valuable thing to you? You're like, oh, and you're limping or you're whatever. As soon as a body part doesn't work, all of a sudden it gets all the honor think about it. Like when your spleen doesn't work, which I don't know what that feels like, but I imagine it's not fun. When your digestive system doesn't work, oh Lord, help me. And there's all kinds of attention given to that, right? And if you have back problems, like that little disc doesn't work, oh that disc, oh we love that disc. All of a sudden, that disc is everything because without that disc, pain is shooting down our bodies, right? And the, the disc gets all kinds of honor. Take care of that thing. And, and you guys who are young, you can make fun of us and you can laugh at us who are getting older because what do we do? Everything is about honor. Once you start hitting 50s and 60s and it's what parts of the body you're going to honor. And it's the end game. I want all my parts functioning when I die. Right? And so we get the, we get the value of the individual parts and how it impacts the entire whole. And, and, and what Paul is saying is that's the body of Christ. You have to treasure every gift. Because without every gift and every person and the gift that they've been given, the body falls apart. It doesn't work right. There's no room for a leader. There's no room for a group of people that would disdain or diminish a gift or any gifts. There's no gift that's better than another. They're all critical. And, and one other thing, just as, as, as we're looking at this passage, there's a theme that comes out here that's really interesting, and it's the sovereignty of God. You can't escape it. And and I'm a big fan of of free will. I'm a bundle of contradictions, and I don't know how to harmonize all of it, but you cannot escape the sovereignty of God in this passage. It says in verse 4, there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God. It's God who empowers them all. No one does this under their own strength or power. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. It's given to us. We don't take it. We don't grab it, we don't whatever, it's given to us through the Spirit. To another, it's the same Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. You see this over and over again in verse 11, by one and the same Spirit. And then Paul just makes it so clear in verse verse 18, he says, "'As it is, God's arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose.'" Verse 24, God has so composed the body. Verse 27, you are the body of Christ, individual members of it, and God has appointed. And he goes on to talk about the gifts that he's appointed. You, you can't escape, I cannot escape the fact that it is God who's building his body. We think we might have shot for a church. And Paul says, no. No. No, no, no. Na 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 no. <laughs> God brought you here. He brought me here to build up this church. Think about that. Everyone around you, God brought you here for this church body. You have a gift or gifts that are going to build this church up. And he actually has an age limit here. If you read this, he says, no one under the age of 18 can do this. And actually, everyone who's retired doesn't have to serve. Paul's, he's so clear about that. It's right there in the Word. No. No. There's no retirement age on this thing, and there's no age restriction on this. If you have followed Christ, you believe in your heart, right? You believe in the heart, He is the Lord, and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is the Savior. You follow Him, you have the Holy Spirit. I don't care how old you are, you have been given gifts. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. There's no, there's no point here where it stops. It's just anyone who follows Christ as a spirit. Students, you can serve. You can serve and be as awkward as Daryl was standing against the wall and not have it all figured out. There's no... End on this either. There's no 62, 65, 70, 80. It just doesn't stop. 90. I remember talking to Nina Mosier. She was part of the church way back in the day. And she was 93, I think, and praying in her home. She says, I can't get out, but I'm praying. And I'm like, oh, that's a gift. That's a gift to church. That's a gift to people. God's brought you here. He's given you and I this identity as servant, and he's put you here, and he's put me here, and he said, I want you to serve. I'm giving you these gifts, and I want you to serve my body. So in these last few moments, how do we respond You know, I, I, I'm still learning stuff. I've um, been doing this a few years. And I, I just can't believe in all these years, I never had this worked out, the difference between a volunteer and a servant until these last couple years. Like, I just can't believe that. Because it's a big difference. We don't look for volunteers. I, I'll never talk about this. The body of Christ as volunteers anymore. I just won't. We're servants. And our response is, is, first of all, to our master, I'm here to serve for life, wherever you want. And I will serve as you have modeled service, which is sacrificially, to the point of sacrifice. And, and like Jake just said right there at the very end, it's a, it comes out of love. It comes out of uh, what he has done for us. Uh, yeah, I'm yours. Tell me where to go. And so a part of that is just saying, okay, God, it's not only I'm your servant, but you have brought me here to fresh water. I'm here to serve. Show me where, show me how. That's the first thought, is have you shifted the way you think about yourself maybe towards I'm no longer, I'm not a volunteer. I am a servant and I'm willing to sacrifice everything to the Lord for him. Second thing, if you don't know spiritual gifts, what yours is, how those work, how those are the same, different than a talent or something like that or ability, we have that class coming in the fall. and Just kind of put that in the back of your mind, and when you hear that, jump into that seminar. It's, it's maybe four hours, I think, three or four hours um, of your time. But if this is something that is our identity and, and that God has called us all to do, it's worth investing the sacrifice to figure it out. The third thought is this. Um, what does it look like for freshwater to create a culture of honor and gratitude? And I'm not saying we don't have that here, but I'm saying what does it look like to think about that? Because one of the things that was happening in this church was people were being diminished, devalued. People were struggling even with value. There's the jealousy, there's pride, and it's just, it just is toxic. But if we develop a culture that honors people who serve and shows gratitude to people who serve, it, the body just soars. So which, which ministry here are we not grateful for? Which person are we not grateful for who serves here? Like, there, there's, there's no one. Every single thing, every single moment of service is so critical. Like, those who are holding babies right now, that is so critical for parents to get a moment to breathe and just to have God fill them and speak to them and have these babies loved on, right? Right? those who are teaching with the kids like that's such a critical thing it's so integral to the health of our body the ushers who are sometimes saying hey can you scoot down and the reason i'm saying this is because the culture of honor and gratitude is not the spirit of this age it isn't we get bathed in entitlement and rage walk out of this room Go into this culture and it'll either be you are entitled to everything and if you don't get it, you can go into rage mode. That, that's what we live in, right? We go zero to 60 or 120 into anger. Not, I mean, just turn on the news and how many times do you hear, hear them empowering people to be grateful for those who are opposite of them, grateful for those who don't think like them, honor those who may be different I mean it's just but if you come into the church and all of a sudden it's one of these things of going hey thanks for serving I mean we everywhere I look in this room I see people who are serving I can't even I mean I just can't mention all I just i, I I'm, oh yeah you serve there oh yeah you serve there I see yep you're there yeah I, I can just look around the room yesterday at our funeral you guys don't know this we had four or five people over here getting a meal ready for a family that was just it uh, was Paulie Henderson long time attender at our church but you probably don't even know her because she was actually in assisted living for the last 10 years um, but, but they they were doing a meal and it so touched the family a couple of them came up and said we, I don't think they're connected to the church anywhere and they're like can we, can we come? we'd like to come Now, was that because I had a great message? Nah. Nah, it was, they were serving. The room was put together. There was great food. There was this, there was this place of, hey, we're sorry, you guys are grieving. Can we help you? It was all of us. And I could just go around the room. I mean, you got the team here that's putting this on online. All the people that come early. I mean, you got this in the youth ministry. You got this in the children's ministry. You got this in in every piece of it. And I just wonder what it looks like for us to say thanks. I mean, even having Lanny and Karen over. Lanny, what was his gift? It's serving. Lanny's gift is serving. And, And how does he serve? Well, he fixes stuff and he mows stuff. And he figures out how to not spend any money. He's such a tightwad. And I can say that Lanny if you're listening you know it he has saved this church so much money over the years just fixing stuff I hate how a gift or several gifts get all the attention and we've, we've put together a team of people who, who hate that too it's not about someone up on a stage this gets a lot of attention But as Paul writes, the greater honor needs to be for all who are serving, especially those in places, and to make sure that all of us are thanking and honoring those who serve. Final thought. Um, I just want you to wrestle with this. What gets back in, and not just what gets back in, but what must get back in as life starts to ramp back up. Serving with our gifts in the local church body is just not an option. It's one of those things that has to get back in. It's not from this world. It's not made up by a woman. It's not made up by a man. It's it's God's idea. And at Freshwater, we will continually to call people to sacrifice, to serve, because he's worth it. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, for everyone in this room who follows you, who has this identity as a a sacrificial servant, would you pour power into them? You make a big deal of that, this idea of power. You say it over and over again. So every person here, Lord, a fresh anointing and filling of power. For those who are struggling, wondering whether they have any value or add any value to this body, would you just come in and destroy the lies and you just settle it for them? You tell them their value. You give them their identity. They need to hear that from you. Holy Spirit, would you just... Fill our church with that's your spirit, that spirit of, of gratefulness, gratitude, of honoring one another. Amen.